my brother and I uh, got into a lot of trouble growing up for breaking stuff. Um, ne- never deliberately, um, but we played a lot of backyard sport and uh, against my mother's constant wishes, we played a lot of inside sport and uh, we broke stuff. Uh, we broke more windows in my house, inside and outside, than I can imagine. Uh, we broke lights, we broke doors, um, we broke furniture and, and we broke lots of uh, sort of ornaments and things. They were always the scary parts. We broke lots of ornaments and things that were really precious to my mum. And as we got older, my brother and I got smarter. Um, We still broke stuff, but we got a lot better at covering it up. And uh, I remember this one time, my brother and I were playing backyard footy and uh, I slipped him the perfect hand pass. I swear it was the perfect hand pass, but somehow it went straight through his hands and it smashed my mum's hanging bird bath. She had this, uh, um, it was sort of a, um, a wrought iron, like a bent iron uh, bird bath with a terracotta pot in it. The ball hit it and uh, it bent the wire and it sent the terracotta pot flying and the terracotta pot smashed into a stack of pieces. Both my parents were out for the afternoon and so Ben and I set out to work out how we could cover this up. So we came up with two ideas. Um, the first was that I would stay home, I would get the super glue from the shed and I would painstakingly super glue this thing that was in like seriously dozens of pieces. I would try and super glue the thing back together. While I was doing that, my brother would get on his push bike and he would ride. Believe it or not, we were fortunate enough that only 5k down the road, there was a terracotta shop that sold terracotta everything. So he would go down there and he would try and find a terracotta pot that was kind of roughly the same. And he did. And so within about, <laughs> within about uh, half an hour to an hour, um, we had these two options. The glued up one, I'd done a pretty good job and we found most of the pieces, but there were obviously, exactly, there were obviously some gaps and you could see the glue lines and it just wasn't going to work. Um, fortunately, Ben managed to find a, a terracotta pot that looked almost identical to the one that we'd shattered, except that it was brand new. Like, so it had that nice kind of, and, and the bird bath had been, you know, it had been outdoor outdoors for years so it had that kind of whole age terracotta thing so we this is true story we spent the rest of the afternoon aging that new terracotta (laughs) pot rubbing it in the dirt and smearing stuff on it this is true story (laughs) until we got it looking and and I swear mum and dad never knew they never, we put it back together, we managed to bend, bend the raw iron back kind of look sort of close enough and they never knew that anything got broken until years later, until years later at my 21st birthday, my brother, overcome with guilt, decided that my 21st speech was the ideal time to fess up to the parents that in fact years before that beloved thing that we'd completely smashed it and rebuilt it. And so seriously, in my 21st speech, uh, Ben comes clean and says, Dad, I'm sorry. Uh, please forgive us, we broke this thing. Um, we're in a series that we're calling Powerful Prayers, uh, recognising that everyone knows that Christians pray, or at least they're supposed to pray, um, but that most Christian prayer begins with the words, give me, give me. We pray, God, give me success in my exams. 
give me a new job, give me better health, uh, you know, uh, give me an updated car. Sometimes we pray, give me for me. Sometimes we pray, give me for other people, people who are close to us. We pray for their health or for, for their success or for their exams. And we said last week that give me prayers are okay. Um, there's a place in life and a place, place in our faith for give me prayers. But there's so much more to prayer. There's so much more power beyond give me when we pray. And so in this series, um, we're going to talk about uh, three powerful prayers beyond praying give me. And last week we talked about uh, the, the prayer praying, God speak to me. And this week we're going to look at another really powerful prayer as we look at praying, God forgive me. God forgive me. When, when we ask for God's forgiveness, when we pray, God forgive me, we're recognizing that we've messed up what the Bible often calls sin. We've messed up. We want to change. Uh, we want God's. We want to ask God for forgiveness and for His help to change us. And the Bible word for this process, for this idea, is the word repent or repentance. Uh, Mark, one of the uh, one of the biographers of Jesus, uh, Mark tells us that this idea, this message of repentance, was actually one of, if not Jesus' main message when he came to earth. In fact, if you start reading uh, Mark's biography, what we call the Gospel of Mark from the beginning, he tells us that, that in his story, the very first words that Jesus speaks are these. This is Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The first time that Jesus speaks in the biography, he says these words. The time is fulfilled, he said, and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. The word repent literally means to sort of to change direction, to turn around. Jesus is saying, change the direction of your life and believe the good news, believe the gospel. He's saying, turn your life around and believe that I am, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is God's chosen one. Turn your life around and believe that Jesus came to rescue us from the mess that we're in, that he came to give us freedom and life and hope and purpose. Believe in that. Turn your life around. Turn your life over to that truth and that reality. Jesus is saying, that's why I'm here. That's the purpose of me coming. And of course, it's one of those things that it's, it's easy to listen to someone say, uh, you know, uh, turn your life around, repent. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do, isn't it? You kind of think, you know, I've been trying to turn my life around. It's not that easy sometimes. And if you ever felt like that, I want to tell you that, um, that, that Paul, one of the, the leaders in the early church, he knows exactly how you feel. In fact, Paul was really open about his struggle to change sometimes. Um, in fact, he wrote it all down in a letter. Um, I write down this, uh, read it uh, when you get home. But Romans 7, uh, verses eight, 18 to 25, Paul writes this. He says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. 
For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. I keep on doing this. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no, you've got to follow this. If I do what I do not, let me start again. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work in me. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work in me. Oh, what a wretched man I am. That's Bible language of saying, man, I've made a mess of my life. (laughs) What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he answers his own question with these words. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul says, I know what I want to do. But I keep on doing other things. I keep on doing the things that I've just said. I don't want to do that, but I keep on doing those things. And I can't seem to, I can't seem to keep doing the things that I really want to do. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. He's saying, I love what God wants for my life. I get it. I want to do it. I love it. But there's, there's another power at work inside me. In fact, he says, like, there's a war going on inside me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me, he says. He's saying, it's hopeless. He's saying, oh, I'm hopeless. I'm never going to get this right. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. I'm just never going to be good enough. I'm just, I'm just never going to be able to do all the things I want to do and not do all the things that I don't want to do. I just can't get it right. And then in what might be one of the most powerful statements in all of the Bible, he answers his own question and he says, but thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the gospel. Right? That's, that's the good news that Jesus was talking about in Mark chapter 1. Recognising that I'm hopeless, that I can't do this on my own, that, that in my own strength I'm never going to get this right. That I will keep saying things that I don't want to say, I will keep doing things that I don't want to do, I will keep thinking things that I don't want to think. And the gospel is us recognising that that helplessness in us, that hopelessness in us, and throwing ourselves at the feet of Jesus and saying, I can't do this on my own. I desperately need your help. I desperately need your work in my life to get this right. That's what repentance is all about. That's what the prayer, God forgive me, is all about. And I want to tell you this morning, it is one of the most powerful, one of the most freeing, one of the most life-giving prayers that anyone can ever pray. Because praying, praying God forgive me isn't, isn't just for thieves and drug dealers and murderers. And I say that because sometimes we think that God forgive me is, is like a get-out-of-jail-free card in Monopoly. You know that card? 
You get the card and you don't do anything with it. You just, you just keep it in case you need it. You know, sometimes we think, God forgive me, is, is like that. It's like a spiritual insurance policy. You know, something you just keep in your back pocket and, and if things get really bad, you can sort of whip it out and say, I really messed up this time, but you know, before I go to jail, God, would you forgive me? But I want to tell you that praying God forgive me is about so much more than that. God forgive me is a daily prayer. A daily prayer that acknowledges that I'm greedy, acknowledges that I'm selfish, acknowledges that I'm self-absorbed, acknowledges that I put myself before other people daily, and acknowledges that I can't do this on my own. Do you remember our idol series? God forgive me is about owning up to the fact that every day I'm tempted to bow down to those idols. That every day I'm tempted to bow down to the idol of money and things. That every day I'm tempted to bow down to the idol of career and family and my health and my appearance. The idol of me first. Praying God forgive me expresses a daily desire, a daily choice, if you like, that I make, that we can make to turn away from those idols and to turn back toward God, the idea of repentance, to turn our lives around, to turn our lives away from those things and to turn them back toward God. Praying God forgive me acknowledges that I can't do this on my own, that I need God. But I can only do it through the power of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You know, my kids are always telling me to live my best life. You heard that phrase? It's kind of really popular. Go live your best life. Praying God forgive me recognises that my best life will only ever come through Jesus. That actually, I don't have the power to live my best life. Like Paul says, I just can't do it. I know what my best life could look like, but I just can't get there on my own. I will always mess up and fall short and do the things that I don't want to do. Praying God forgive me is a prayer of humility. It says, I can't do this on my own, Jesus. I need you. God forgive me, it isn't an insurance policy to be used, you know, when we've really messed up and we're about to go to jail. God forgive me is a daily opportunity to invite God into your life. And not just into the good parts of your life, not just to invite him in when things are going well, but to deliberately invite him in to the messy parts and the ugly parts and the parts where you've fallen short. Praying God forgive me is an opportunity to daily experience the extraordinary freedom and joy and hope that comes with the forgiveness of Jesus. And I'll be really honest this morning because I think sometimes some of us try and avoid God forgive me. We try and avoid the idea of repentance because who wants to spend time talking about your own guilt 
and your own shame. And I get that because in a like in a worldly sense, you know, if I if I fess up to my wife or my kids or my friends about something dumb that that I've that I've thought or that I've done or that I've said, it's a real fear that I might get shame heaped on me, you know? But I want to tell you this morning that this is what makes Jesus so extraordinary because his love for us is perfect. That his mercy and grace for us is never ending. You know, you have this fear that if you tell your friends, hey, I messed up and and did this again, that there's going to come a point where they're going to say, again? Again? You're on your own. But the good news of Jesus is that his grace is never ending. There is never a point where Jesus will say, that's one too many. There's never a point where he'll say, that sin, that that is too big. If you'd have told me you did this or this or this, that would have been okay, but you did that? And so while, while, you know, with, with friends or with family, there might be this hesitation. We can live with the freedom that we, we need never have that hesitation with God. That Jesus will always say, will always meet us with perfect love, with complete acceptance and with absolute forgiveness. So sure, praying God forgive me usually begins with a sense of guilt. But the good news I want to share with you today is that it doesn't end in shame. It ends in freedom. It ends in grace. It ends in hope. It ends in new life. Brand new life where, where, where the writers of the New Testament, where Jesus would say, where the apostles, people who, him, who lived with him and experienced him would say that the old you, it's like the old you dies and you are reborn as a brand new you. That's the good news. That's the gospel that Jesus was talking about. That's the good news of the message of the good news that comes when we pray, God, forgive me.